0: Hello everyone and welcome to Super Respectable. My name is David Lewis and this is Toshi Roman. Hi Tosh. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking. We're joking. We're joking. Uh I'm Toshi Roman. That's David Lewis. How are you, Dave? I'm good, Toshio. How are you? I'm good, David. Uh how's it going? It's been uh it's been a week since we did our last episode. Any uh and uh, I've been thinking about art heists all week, actually. I, after that episode, I've been thinking about movies that have art heists, uh, books that I could find, real art heists, planning art heists. But that was a good episode. That was a, that was fun.
1: Yeah, that was pretty interesting. And I'm thinking I probably should have done a bit more uh, up-to-date research on the um, subsequent events, because I think they've um, identified the remains of a few of the uh, pieces of art. So, um, um, And there's some information on the... Uh, on the sentences
0: of these people, but, um,
1: that can all be added as a hyperlink to the episode page. Sure, sure. It's, we all, could, it's all in the past. now.
0: no problem. We can add it as a hyperlink. We could even update on our social medias too. That, that's actually interesting. Some of the topics we've done, we should, I'm sure there, if there are ever any updates, we could, we should definitely do our, our due diligence as investigative reporters and Absolutely. Them properly. How's uh how's the situation in the Netherlands on day, uh, a 7,420. 7, <laughs>
1: Captain's log. Yeah. Um, it's getting pretty bad here with coronavirus. Um, uh, it's about 4,500 cases per day now. Yeah. Um, and as I was saying to you earlier, the, the mask wearing is becoming a thing. Cool. Uh, it was one of the few holdouts, uh, Netherlands and Sweden, um, not really doing so, so much on that uh, front. But uh, lately the government has... Uh, Turned around and said you should be wearing masks when you go indoors, and uh, actually people seem to be um, starting to follow the advice. So what, what's we'll see the, if that has an effect.
0: What do you think? Uh, just in your opinion, of course you're not on trial here or anything like that. What That's do you good do, to know. What do you globally around the world, or even specifically in the Netherlands? You choose whichever option uh, is, is, is you want to answer through. Why do you think people don't wear masks? Is it they don't believe it'll help them, or they just it's their right not to wear a mask, or a combination of both, or option C, like for me when you talk about keeping distance, sanitary, washing your hands and wearing masks it just clicks for me and it's not even something I double think right I will wear the mask because we have three holes <laughs> on our face through which <laughs> things enter and we're covering the holes so nothing enters but I don't understand why people are so adamant against it.
1: Um, I guess there's like the political side people don't like being told what to do by the government sure. and there's that element um, so there's the element of freedom and I want to do whatever I want. Right. That, that, that logic doesn't really apply when there's a health uh, epidemic. Um, yeah. It's not like they're telling everyone to wear like blue socks or something like that. It's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a pretty basic health thing, like you said. Um, but then, you know, being in the Netherlands where there was no official advice to wear a mask uh, for the longest time, I started out wearing a mask um, in March and April for a couple trips to the shops. Then I just stopped and I felt like, why bother? No one else is doing it. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm being judged for doing it. And and then I just sort of fell into line with what everyone else was doing, which, you know, um, it's, you know, right or wrong. uh, That's what happened. But now that people are wearing it, I'm making it a habit after my trip to Italy uh, where I saw everyone was wearing it. I just thought this is no big deal just make it a habit when you leave the house you bring your wallet your phone your keys and a mask yeah it's just it's just a habit you gotta do now
0: yeah
1: um but then i then now with the situation here uh when i go grocery shopping or into a small shop i do start um judging the handful of people who aren't wearing masks i'm trying to think like what are they thinking do they think that they're sort of invincible or have their own force field to the virus, like yeah. what's going through their head? Are they trying to make prove a point that they're better or, or whatever it is? I don't say anything. I'm just judging silently.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's, uh, I think you're right because wherever I've uh, kind of seen the non-mask movement has been more in line with countries that are very much uh, pro-individual rights and freedoms, right? So like we discussed this with Marcus, and I think in our very first episode where countries where, um, of course, rights and freedoms exist, but they're not as as prevalently discussed, uh, people are very quick to wear masks because they are told to do so and they don't question it. Whereas in other parts of the world, people are debating against it just because they have the right to fight it, like, and even if it doesn't make any sense. I think the last one I saw was in Montreal. They were having a big demonstration or, 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 or about these people who are, I mean, in the States, of course, but in Canada, our home country, there was people who just, They didn't want to wear masks because they didn't, because they had the right not to wear a mask, which I just thought was a silly reason not to wear a mask. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I guess people will, will be looking back at this time, not only in a public health sense, but I'm sure in terms of civil rights, in terms of what could be done in the future, whether, you know, martial law or some type of legality could be implemented in the name of public health, but the mask the mask anti mask movement i just is really silly at this point i think it's just an additional thing like you said when i go out it's wallet keys uh, phone mask right wallet keys phone mask and uh...
1: yeah everyone does that well i certainly do this pat down before i leave the house or after yeah. i leave the house do i have this it's a bit of the macarena just checking everything yeah. um and it's added to the mask check the face check the without mask. touching the face
0: Yes, that's, that's um Yeah, that's yeah
1: it's interesting. I, I saw something uh online this week about uh I think it was in Thailand, yeah. where they have um a scanner it scans your face to okay. see whether you are wearing a, a face covering. And oh, mean I like think it's pretty cool innovation street. because
0: like on the street. So if yeah. you're about
1: to enter a grocery store. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Um so at the entrance there's like a scanner. Um I don't know how effective it is, but it looked like it worked pretty well yeah. because it could figure out whether you were covering your mouth and, and nose. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, if you didn't, it wouldn't let you in.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think in some ways that's a really cool thing because the poor shopkeepers around the world are getting a lot of verbal abuse from just having to tell certain customers yeah. to kindly put on a mask. And, um, you know, I, I really feel bad for a lot of them, you know, the, they're being put at risk by this, this group of people who want to record stuff for social media and yeah. you know, make a point. Um, and then they're just, yeah, yeah, fight the power kind of thing.
0: It's, uh, it's, uh, but the cool thing with masks, if, if by the way, you know, we're, I think most people wear kind of standardized medical, the white or the blue ones with like the things. But yeah, have you ever seen any of the customized ones? People have really unique ones and you see it, whether it's like their famous, like their city name or the sports team they support or anything cool. So I mean, if, if that's going to make people wear masks, I'm all for it. You know, but if you can, if you want to style it and make it more personalized, that's totally cool. Like, yeah, why not? It's for, it's, sure. for, it's for public health. And like, we just actually, we've been buying these boxes of 50 masks and we just use them two, three times each and we check them out, you know, kind of the thing. So we just finished our second box, which is kind of scary, you know? So like, we started a few months back, so I got to go buy more boxes. And then we're still on our second, I bought this like liter of sanitizer. So like, you know, that's for our hands. And then like, if we buy anything or we come home or we've touched our phone or groceries we kind of we still do the groceries so like uh but we've calmed down a little bit we don't do like vegetables and stuff now or we we do i mean you don't we, bleach the vegetables I, I we never bleach the vegetables <laughs> that's dangerous we used to we used to uh give it a little bit of a more uh, um in depth of a cleaning but now we just put them away but before we use them we take them out of the fridge for the meal we just give them a good rinse with water and then and then we kind of you know take it from there but I don't know, guys, uh, we'll be back with Captain's Log 2,431 <laughs> next week, but hopefully. I hope so. Anyways, I'll, I'm presenting and it's very much related to, uh, to uh, this issue. So I know we are apolitical in our podcast. Uh, um, we are political in our non-podcast lives, but I will be apolitical. But something has happened in the last week, which has never happened before. Uh, uh, a sitting president has become sick with coronavirus uh, with less than a month before uh, the election is to take place. And this has spurred a number of questions. So in today's topic, my question is, what happens if President Trump dies? And uh, I'm going to answer this uh, uh, in three sections. One is, what if he dies in office as president, which is a little bit more straightforward? Mm -hmm. What happens if he dies? after winning the election on November the third. And again, we're apolitical, so we're neither for or against it. Uh, uh, But, uh, but uh, so he dies after winning the election, but before taking office, right. Uh, On June the 20th, uh, January the 20th, I'm sorry. And the situation is what happens if he dies uh, before the election as a presidential candidate, not as president. Right. So as we go through it, it's actually quite unique and quite uh, quite complicated as the levels progress, and these we're going into uncharted territories in certain uh, areas here that not even presidential experts can really, really narrow down the answer. So a lot of this is uh, is very firm, and a lot of this is very open-minded. And I I don't want this to be a, a complete presentation. We should have a discussion after each point. Have pretty... you been
1: uh, reviewing your American constitutional uh, law?
0: Yes, as a as a. As a Canuck, as a Canadian, I've been reviewing my American law history. Uh, uh, I've been reading through the Constitution, uh, um, understanding it to the best of my ability. Um, I'm a, I, like you. I'm a history buff. I, I like it, and American history is definitely of, of something of interest for me. I don't have the Constitution memorized, nor do I know the know the the different uh, uh, aspects of American law, but. I'm always fascinated and I'm always trying to learn. And US presidential history is always interesting because uh, um, I'll, like, I'll talk about the electoral college versus the popular vote, which is kind of relevant. Oh man, so uh, complicated. It's, it's uh, I've watched two videos about it today just as a refresher and still I'm like, what? <laughs> so uh, I'm very thankful to be a Canadian because we have a much easier election system and uh, it's much more straightforward, but in the States they really have just jumbled it. And then if you add what's happening now, it's just a, it's just a hot mess. So uh, let me try my best. Okay. 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 Good luck. Thank you so much. So uh, as uh, any president who's a sitting president, uh, uh, um, if anything happens to them in which they are not able to uh, um, uh, fulfill the roles of being president, there is a line of succession, meaning they can be taken off as president and someone else can be put on whether it's temporarily or permanently, but more so the former. So this is due to the Presidential Succession Act of 1947, which says that if a president dies while in office, is removed, which I'll talk about, is sick, so they can't perform their duties or is impeached, as in uh, uh, Nixon, for example, um, the, uh, as in Nixon, um, um, there is a line of succession. So this is interesting. There are actually- Is this the uh, 25th Amendment, or? Good for you. Congratulations. Um... And we're Canadians, people. We're not even Americans.
1: Uh, <laughs> you know. It's... It's tough.
0: (laughs) So uh, after the president, uh, the second in command would be the vice president. Uh, 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 At the current situation, it would be um, Mike Pence. (laughs) Again, apolitical. (laughs) Uh, Second in line would be the Speaker of the House. Uh, Interestingly enough, in the current situation, it's Nancy Pelosi, who is a Democrat. (laughs) So they are not a Republican. It's of the different party. And uh, she's actually older than Trump. She's in her 80, she's 80 years old and Trump's 74. She's 80? Yeah, she's 80, I believe. Uh, uh, um, we can we can cross-reference that again. So uh, she's number uh, she's number two. Uh, after that, it's the president pro tempore, which is the longest given senator in the Senate. So it's based on age at that point. It would have been the majority leader of, uh, uh, not of the Senate, but of the House. But they've actually changed it. So it's the longest given senator. So that's number three. It's some old guy. I forgot his name. Again, we're Canadian, so it's fine. And yeah, then, he's like 89, 90 something. Yeah, yeah. He, he's old, man. Um, so, but what happens is, so you have one, two, three. So one is part of the president's cabinet, his vice president. Then you have the Speaker of the House who is not part of the cabinet. And in this situation uh, of the new uh, of another party, then you have the president pro tempore, who could be part of the uh, same party or not, depending on who he is. In this situation, he is a Republican. But then you move to the cabinet. So in the US, there are 14 people in the cabinet. Uh, um, some of them have more important roles and some of them have less important roles. And it's actually, uh, the, the order of the line of succession is based on when that department was established. So whoever is the longest sitting senator. So in America, the secretary of state is number four in line of the succession. Then it's the secretary of the treasury, then then defense, then the attorney general. And then the the minor 10 are not as important. Like uh, I can't even name, uh, HUD, there's House and Urban Development, That's all I can think of. Uh, Education, (laughs) uh, transportation. But things would have
1: to go horribly wrong to reach any of these levels.
0: Totally. Like if your secretary of housing and urban development became president, literally 13 people (laughs) before him (laughs) was not able to take the place of it, you know? So, Um, and and, and it's interesting. There's an entire TV show about this. It's called uh, Designated Survivor. I don't know if you've seen it. No to, way. It's with, I've heard of it. I didn't know it was about this. It's, a, it's, it's, it's with Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> and he, he is actually Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. <laughs> and the entire uh, 13 people ahead of him Get killed because they're all there for, uh, they're all in the Senate for some type of event. But what happens is, due to security protocols, they've removed one person from the line of succession and kept him over. Uh, and so the entire Senate blows up and he takes over and he has no idea what he's doing. And I stopped watching after episode uh, 10. <laughs> so then it's been four seasons afterwards. Um, so so there is a line of succession, which I just want to say. So if the president is sitting and anything happens to him, uh, there are literally 14, uh, a minimum of uh, uh, 17 people afterwards who could take on the place. Interestingly, during Trump's administration, the cabinet has changed so many times that these people have rotated. So, for example, uh, Rex Tillerson was the secretary of state, no longer he is. Jim, Madison, Mantis was the, um, Jim Mattis sorry, was the Secretary of Defense, but he got removed, right? Then Jeff Sessions was the Attorney General. So during Trump's time, uh, the line of succession has not been as fluid as it would have been minus COVID, right? Even before COVID, just because of the number mm. of changes. So there have been a, a total of eight times in American history where a president was not able to uh, uh, fulfill his duties. And so the line of succession came on. So I'll go from the most recent to, the, to, uh, to the, the, mo- the, the least, but not all eight. I'll give you three because once we get past three, some of the presidents are not as common. And even I didn't really know what was happening, right? So in 81, uh, Ronald Reagan was actually shot uh, in front of a, a hotel in Washington, D.C. And so um, he was still able to fulfill his roles as president. But, uh, uh, but he could have allowed, uh, it would have, uh, the, the, uh, the rules would have allowed the president to transfer power in this situation to the vice president if he was uh, incapacitated. He actually didn't take on, uh, he didn't put this into practice. But, uh, uh, but a few years later, when Reagan w- underwent a surgery, he did implement it and he got uh, George H.W. Bush, his VP, to be acting president for like those few hours. Wow. So he, uh, George W.H., before he became president, he had a couple, he had a little taste of it. Uh, in in seventy two uh, uh, nixon uh, um, uh, when he resigned uh, due to watergate uh, he uh, this is really interesting actually uh, his v p at the time uh, uh, vice president spire uh, um, he was actually under allegations of corruption from a different <laughs> from really? a different thing so he uh, nixon understood that if he resigned and because of the political situation his vp was going to that it might not go to him but it might have to go to the third person because he would have to leave it would have been a democrat so they would have lost power so what they did was they got the vp to resign right they replaced him with gerald ford then nixon resigned uh nixon resigned ford took over ford became president and gave nixon a presidential pardon Genius. Genius, right? Very interesting. So they pretty much used uh, 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 the Twenty Fifth Amendment against <laughs> against the against the U.S. Uh, the, the the country and the people for their own benefit. It was very like very manipulative and very uh, uh, very for their own self interest. Um, in sixty seven, uh, um, JFK was assassinated, right? When he was in Texas, and so an hour and thirty eight minutes after he was assassinated, Lyndon B Johnson, his VP, took over. Uh, uh, and then, um, there, um, while he was president, there was actually no vice president in office for a year. So nobody replaced oh. him. Yeah. So, so I if, didn't if, know. if anything had happened to Johnson, it would have gone to number three, right? Then, uh, if you look at it that way, mm-hmm. interestingly enough, during, uh, in the cabinet of JFK, uh, number seven in the line of succession was Bobby, Bobby Kennedy, the attorney general, uh, and also JFK's little brother. So that was the first time there were two blood relatives in the same line of succession. So uh, uh, interesting, interesting enough, but uh, pretty much the summary of this section is that there is a continuity of government. There is a system put in place as per the 25th amendment, as you've said, and they test it from time to time and they even have protocols in place. And there are even, it's interesting, I read there are even uh, um, NGOs and think tanks who work to find weaknesses in the line of succession and uh, in the system of and how and they give recommendations on how they can huh. uh, they can uh, they can update it including people's age including the fact that most of the cabinet live in washington dc so in case of a nuclear or chemical or biological attack it would wipe everyone out so there are recommendations and there are workings which is quite interesting interesting yeah yeah so uh, interestingly either um, um, um for the 25th amendment either a president can give uh, 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 um, uh, the next in line, the power, while he's incapacitated, maybe due to a surgery or due to unconsciousness, or if the majority of the cabinet decides so, uh, if they feel the president is incapacitated to take a decision, they can actually take power away from him and give it to the next person in line, which has never happened, uh, based on my knowledge. But both both do exist. So uh, um, um, it actually happened in Air Force One with Harrison Ford. If <laughs> you do remember that movie when they hijacked Air Force One, vaguely. <laughs> <They agree. laughs> The cabinet couldn't get in, they didn't know if Harrison Ford was still alive or not, you know, so then they wanted to like vote to give power to the VP, but the VP was like, no, I believe in my president, and then Harrison Ford came out and kicked kicked ass, and then he was okay, and then he flew the plane <laughs> and everything, so so it does happen. <laughs> there was also
1: um, a movie Vice, have you seen that one? With, With, I haven't um, seen it, is Christian it Christian Bale? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it got really bad reviews or mediocre reviews yeah. i watched it uh two or three times i loved it yeah and um obviously it's there's a big focus on september 11th and um one of the things was basically how cheney yeah took took control yeah uh during that time yeah and i i don't remember the specifics whether they cited um you know 25th amendment or anything like that but he really like bunkered down and had like this whole cabinet under control. And he said, yeah. that everything comes under my purview right now, yeah. which I found
0: was quite uh, interesting. Great. Our listeners, let's watch Vice. We'll talk about it next week. I'll watch it. Great today. movie. I'll watch it. Excuse me. Okay. So, so that one is a certainty. We know what's going to happen if anything happens to Trump uh, uh, um, uh, while he was president. But now we have a problem. Uh, now we get into sticking, sticky waters. It's, and it has to do because of time. Okay. So we are, uh, today's October the 5th, the election is November the 3rd. So we're less than a month away. So what happens is as long as you have time, you can fix things, but with things less than a month away, it becomes an issue. So I'll go over the second least likely scenario, the second, the second least sticky scenario. My apologies. Okay. What would happen if Trump won the election on November the 3rd, but died before being e- uh, re inaugurated, uh, on January the 20th. So you have, literally about uh, 10 weeks between that that period, right? So what would happen most likely is that the Electoral College of each state, which we'll talk about, would most likely vote for a new president, right? So um, uh, you're, do you, could you explain the Electoral College? Do, do you think so? Because I would have a little difficult situation for it. But if you, because I've heard you talk about it before, if you can explain it, I'll add on to it a little bit.
1: I would struggle, but uh, as I understand the, for each state yeah. there's a certain amount of electors yes and when you vote for the president you're, you're basically giving a, a signal to the elector yeah to then um nominate the president and each okay. state has a different amount of uh, elector so that's why it's important to win certain states because yeah. of the amount of
0: votes available blah 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 that's that, that's exactly that's how i've understood and the
1: electors are are, are like party bigwigs as far as i right. know they're they're like i don't know who exactly they are but they're people yeah they're, they're human beings <laughs> um for now yeah uh, that um act on behalf of the the will of the people i guess
0: yeah so so um uh, the way I read it was that, you know, on that we're having this election on November the 3rd, people are not actually voting for the president per se, what they're voting for is their electors. Uh, and then their electors on December, the blah, 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 will be pretty much passing on that vote on, on, a, on, a, on a more national level. So there are yeah. 538 electors across uh, America. And uh, it's based on state and it's based on population of state. So like you've said, Uh, places like California, Texas, New York, Massachusetts have more electors because of more population. And every 10 years, they have a census. And based on the census, they they either add on to the number of uh, electors or or reduce based on population movement. There are a total of 538. And that's because there are 500, there are 100 senators, uh, 435 uh, 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 members of uh, House of uh, Representatives, Members of Congress. Members of Congress. Sorry, uh, and uh, three from the state of uh, from the District of Columbia who are electors. Because the District of Columbia, very interesting, I learned, is neither a state nor a province nor anything else. It's, a, it's supposed to be an independent region. So for a very long time, they actually didn't have any uh, power to vote in the in the federal elections. But only in the sixties were they given uh, uh, the same voting rights as the rest of the country. And apparently the four territories of America Puerto Rico, the British Virgin Islands, Guam, and I'm missing a number of uh, Panama? No. Uh, no, not, not yet. Not yet. So uh, apparently, there are over 4.4 4 million Americans who are citizens of these countries uh, of this country. They are ineligible to vote uh, either. So um, like you said, so the electoral college is a group of people who no one's ever met before <laughs> and uh, they pretty much pass on the will of the citizen, uh, the c- citizenry. And so they, uh, uh, you know, if uh, it's a winner take all system, right? So if in California, the state votes for, let's say Barack Obama, then the, the electoral uh, is obligated uh, morally to go forward with the, uh, uh, with the idea that yes, California has voted for them. I'll vote for them too, but legally they are not. I learned this today. Wow. by the way. If they feel that this is not like in their own interests. They have the right legally not to pass forward the votes of the people, which is sounds completely absurd, right? So, uh, so uh, the big problem in America is electoral votes versus popular votes, right? So that when you go to our American listeners, when you go to uh, a polling station and you vote for uh, uh, Barack Obama, let's say for example, that one vote for Barack Obama is a popular vote, right? But that same vote goes towards the electoral vote, electoral college. And so if that state ends up voting for Barack Obama, then uh, then it, then Barack Obama also gets the electoral vote as well as the popular vote. But mm-hmm. if your electoral uh, uh, committee member ends up going for Mitt Romney or whoever is kind of <laughs> opponent, I'm trying to remember who is uh, Romney, right? Like eight years ago, I forget. Uh, then it... Then, yeah. uh, Uh, Then there's a difference in popular vote versus electoral vote, which is what happened in two thousand, right? You remember Al Gore versus George W. Bush? Al Gore won the popular vote, but lost the electoral vote. Whereas George W. Bush lost the popular vote and won the electoral vote because pretty much of states, right? So he could have same thing two
1: thousand sixteen with Clinton getting
0: more. Clinton getting more. So so it's a very. uh, interesting system where you could theoretically if you're a mathematician or a statistician you could really I mean, I mean they do this already you could pretty much just focus all your energies on certain states uh they say that you know the reason they do this is so that you know even little states have uh, swing votes and it's true if you look historically little ones could uh, uh, predict the outcome but if you captured a texas or a california or a, or a new york or an oregon you'd have a huge weight off your shoulder you know what i mean in the sense that you wouldn't have to do like one california is equal to like 10 mini states, you know, in terms of electoral votes. But again, it's just my knowledge. But the crazy thing is,
1: as far as I'm aware, California has almost always been Democrat. So yeah. they, the right. candidate will, won't spend much time there because they t- take it for granted that they've yeah. got it. And so they push into Pennsylvania or
0: yeah, they go to swing Florida states. Yeah. The swing states, swing states. Um, I'll, I'll post a couple of videos I saw online onto our page for listeners to learn about it again. Okay, so going back to my topic. So uh, say on the 3rd, he won and he died somehow somehow before inauguration. Theoretically, he would have, uh, there would be still time, right? So because of this excess of time, what would happen? One uh, one, uh, historian uh, has suggested that the electoral college of each state would then re-vote for a new president based on the party. Most states, most state electors in this situation, if Trump were to win but to die, would probably vote for the VP because that's the most logical step. So they say that Pence would come on, but there's an argument been made because some states it's the law that says that you says that you, ha- says that you have that you have you have to. So if that's the case, Trump's name was on the ballot, but he passed. So he you could no longer uh, uh, you pass it on to Mike Pence because you'd have to vote for someone on a ballot. You couldn't just transfer it over which is what one of the arguments was. In this situation, you could go to court and it could be a huge legal, uh, legal debate for a while. Uh, uh, the 20th Amendment has been also brought into this issue and people say that if something happens to the president-elect, the vice president-elect uh, should be president as well. So the, uh, it's murky water, but it's not completely that you can't see anything. There is some clarity. There's just a difference of opinion the majority would say that Pence would more than likely become a nominee and then he'd have to get approved by the state, uh, by Mm -hmm. the Congress, and then he would become uh, president as well. So um, it is is a little unique. Um, I I read somewhere that um, at the end of the day, whether you go through the normal system of voting uh, where nothing is wrong or this situation, the 12th Amendment of the Constitution of America gives Congress the final say on who was elected president and vice president, right? So Congress can, can accept what the state of electors has uh, from the Electoral College has put forward or they can decline it. Uh, uh, the theory is that they'll accept it because it's the will of the people. But in the situation where Trump would die after the election uh, and there's, there's a lot of kind of uh, uh, not knowing, the House and the Senate could, uh, could disagree on what's happening and then that would become a, uh, an issue in itself. But more than likely, what will happen is that in a situation, if Trump dies post-election, but pre-inauguration, uh, through a number of processes, the vice president is more than likely to take over in that situation, and he would choose a new vice president to be his his VP. So uh, 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 it's unique. It's never happened. Though, I did read in history that a month after taking office, one president did die 31 days after taking office. It, and, it was uh, FDR, and wasn't
1: VP. it? It was FDR, wasn't it?
0: Uh, not FDR. It was pre. Uh, it was about uh, a little earlier than FDR. FDR. Something happened to FDR as well, but he died a little later into his presidency, I believe. Uh, in my scenario, uh, um, uh, his VP took over, and his VP took over. It was all really controversial. Uh, his VP took over, and uh, uh, he didn't even say that we needed another election or whatnot. He's like, I'll just become president, and he took power. And people complained. A lot of people in this cabinet thought he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't uh, qualified to be <laughs> president. In his own cabinet. In FDR's own cabinet. In his own cabinet. Yeah. Um, uh, do you remember who what happened in FDR's situation? When he passed, his VP took over, didn't he? Or did they have another, do you remember uh, who yeah. his VP was? I,
1: I believe uh, Eisenhower came afterwards Eisenhower. and uh, it was very shortly after. So I think it was less than two months after he was yeah. elected because FDR was a very sick man and they kind of kept it from, I think the public knew yeah. that he was unwell, They they don't think they knew how unwell he was.
0: Um, yeah. There's a lot
1: of cases in, in the presidential history where uh, I'm not sure if you've watched the doctor briefings with Trump, where you've seen yeah. um, how the health of the president has been, uh, let's say, misrepresented or yeah. um, massaged in a for the public's
0: um, and the, the the confidence of the nation. Do you think Do you think it's for the good of the public, so they feel confident, or do you think it's because you don't want to show weakness? You know, and Trump's like a power power control freak.
1: Yeah, I guess there's definitely an element of Trump's uh, persona where he doesn't want to show any weakness, but like they've clearly done it in the past for other presidents who've had issues. And I guess they, I mean, back then it was the cold war with the Soviet union and they, they definitely didn't want to project weakness uh, to their enemies and they want to show a healthy president somehow. Um, but at a certain point, you know, it's the land of, um, you know, freedom, democracy, and, you know, free press and everything. So why can't they just be honest and, uh, do things yeah. differently and just, just say what's actually going on. Cause every, yeah. everybody knows that, you know, there's a bit more to the story than what is being said right now.
0: Sure. I think also as time progresses and technologies evolve, um, people are getting smarter. They're getting information quicker. They're more, they're more, uh, they're more uh, recognizing of what the reality on the ground is. And I think most people uh, clearly understand something is wrong with Trump, uh, Trump's health. And that it's a facade. It is really unique to watch, but scary at the same time. So, uh, and this brings us to point number three. So if I was to use the metaphor of swimming, if Trump was just a, a president and he got sick and he wasn't able to do anything during his term, uh, um, uh, we know what's going to happen. It's line of succession. It's like swimming in a nice, clear swimming pool, no waves whatsoever. You know, you see the line, you see the end, you see the bottom, you're good to go. You know that if you start drowning, the lifeguard's going to jump in and save you. If we were going to say, use the example of what happens to Trump if he dies after winning the election, but before inaugurating, it's like swimming in a pond, kind of. It's a little murky. Um, more than likely, you're not going to die, you know. Someone's, <laughs> we're going to figure it out, you know. If Trump dies as a candidate in the next 28 days before the election, it's like swimming in the middle of the Pacific Ocean with a storm and tidal waves all over you. This is the first time in history this would happen. Uh, The closest that's ever happened is in 1912, a VP died before an election, but it really didn't matter because he was VP and you can replace them pretty quickly. You're not voting for VP, right? If this was to happen, uh, really, it is one of the messiest, most complicated uh, uh, um, legal uh, aspects of an election in US history. Uh, uh, Nobody really knows what would happen. There are a number of theories, but because it's never been tested before, they're just theories. They were saying that if there was time, for example, if we had six months before the election, we could easily replace the candidate by having the RNC, the Republican National uh, Committee, vote again for a new candidate. Which Trump, because he was the incumbent, there was no voting. But say he wasn't the incumbent, there would have been a vote, right? We would have started 15 years ago for 2020. (laughs) And yet there would have been a So we would have been able to uh, uh, vote for someone and more than likely it would have been Pence because he, he, he is the running mate. And so it would have been that. But the problem now is that with such short amount of time before the election, you can't change Trump's name on the ballot. Ballots have been printed, uh, many of which have been, uh, have been sent out. 63 million is one report I've read number of ballots have been sent out to voters, 3 million of which have already uh, voted ahead of time and been mailed in. Mm. So we're so close to election day that if Trump was to, uh, uh, anything was to happen to Trump, you couldn't revoke any of those ballots, nor can you change his name. In addition, the withdrawal date to remove yourself as a candidate has already passed in all states minus two, uh, but you know, uh, the majority of which, and the date of the election has already been set. So it's the first, uh, 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 it's November the 3rd, it's, uh, and uh, only Congress can change it, but Congress has never changed the election date. Congress can't even decide on what to eat for lunch. I'm pretty sure they <laughs> coming together <laughs> like uh, the date would be, uh, uh, would be impossible. Um, uh, I heard from one professor, he was saying that, quote, it would be impossible to change ballots at this time without delaying the election and starting the voting process over again. Uh, professor Richard ha- uh, Hazen, a law professor from the University of Cal- California, Irvine School of Law, I don't think Congress is going to do that. Uh, um, uh, there is a theory that says that if... Trump passed before the election, but you had to use the ballots, you could put up another candidate theoretically, but it would be Trump's name on the ballot, but it would actually be the other candidate. So for example, if Trump passed, Pence would be the official presidential nominee for the Republican Party, but it would be Trump's name, right? But then this comes back to the idea that all these people that pre-voted, they voted for Trump or for Joe Biden. Uh, They didn't vote for Pence versus Biden, right? So what happens in this situation? So uh, from what I've read, the most likely scenario is that through a number of different legalities, Pence would most likely take over, whether it be temporarily or permanently as the candidate, but his name wouldn't be on the ballot. But literally, your guess is as good as mine. So this is what I think the most scariest of scenarios is, is now. We have a president who clearly has COVID. He's been tested for it. Uh, he's been positive. Uh, it's been three, four days. Members of his, uh, of his circle have also tested for it. Um, there is a, th- there is a chance that Joe Biden could have had it and it didn't show. Uh, he is an older gentleman. Mm-hmm. Um, um, both Biden and Trump are, are in their seventies. I believe uh, Trump is at higher risk. He's overweight. He, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a little chubbier. <laughs> he's a little chubby. He's a little overweight. Uh, he doesn't have the healthiest of diets. And, uh, and, uh, we were talking before we started recording is that he's going on performing this sh- Hollywood show that he's okay with security service and helicopters and this and that. Uh, but most people are showing, uh, show symptoms for at least two weeks. And he clearly has uh, is, is diagnosed with it. And even the videos I watched today, you can definitely tell something is off. Like, he doesn't seem, like, healthy at all. Uh,
1: have you seen the clips where he's struggling to breathe? Because there's the, like, Hollywood thing that he uh, tweeted out. And yeah. then the journalists were there filming. And someone yeah. um, released the clip of him kind of really struggling to I mean, breathe. Some said he was emotional, but... Um, or it's a 70 yeah. year old climbing a bunch of stairs and out of breath.
0: But I think uh, it's yeah. uh, kind of troubling. It's really it, the thing I was thinking about all day today while prepping for this. The thing that's troubling about it is that we make such a huge deal of the American presidency globally, right? Not only in times of election, but the position they, ha- they have, the, po- the most powerful person in the world, et cetera, et cetera. So we've sort of put ourselves in this hole. And now, in addition to the fact that the last four years have been very problematic from a political standpoint, both nationally in the States and internationally, I think there's more, uh, there's more attention paid to this election. And so, you know, uh, I'll call a spade a spade with being, while being apolitical, I think the majority of the world is hoping that there can be a shift in administrations to the continuity of, of, of politics. And so suddenly when something like this happens, it, it becomes a real bump in the road because, because uh, uh, you could literally have a presidential candidate pass on before an election, right? If, if it were to happen, it would be a huge, huge mess. Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, do you think, for example, they would delay the election? Do you think that's a possibility?
1: I don't think that would happen. Uh, from just from what I've read and heard, I think it'd be like sacrilege to change that November third date. It's like a sacred first... time vote on mm-hmm. that day. Um, yeah. Blah blah blah. And I think yeah. if there was like a a really significant thing that happened like uh trump was incapacitated or died before then then they would deal with whatever happens the consequences of it after the vote Um, and i don't know i don't know like there's is there a mechanism in the u.s to to call another election uh before the next like mandated election does that have to be passed by congress and all that
0: you mean what they do in our country when they just call oh, any, every, any uh, other like normal uh,
1: democracy? Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I don't know. That's a great question. I'll look it up afterwards. I mean, we're from Canada. I mean, do you remember in the last, during our, our previous prime minister's uh, tenure, there was like four elections in like 10 years or something like that, you know, and like he called one every couple of years or when he wasn't, when he was feeling, for, feeling like he wanted one in the States, I think that four year rule is pretty set in stone, right? Whatever you, uh, whatever you've done. I, I mean, I'll look it up, I'll, I'll look it up, I don't know. Again, we're not Americans, so, so our history is just of, of, of interest. You yeah, know, of, um, I think
1: that's like one of the prized uh, elements of American democracy. They pride themselves on um, their stability of governance, the, yes. the, the confidence of knowing that every four years there's gonna be an election and two term maximum presidents. Yeah. Um, I don't know how Chicago. long that's been the case, but it's the uh, two terms and then you know not gonna have some guy change the constitution um that sort of thing so i, I don't think that the date will change but uh who knows what will happen in the next few days that, for me that's the most interesting thing is the next week of what's going to happen because yeah. you know even as doctors were saying
0: it's mixed um, messages right the, the, like, the, the biggest risks
1: are like three or four days from now yeah um i mean they, they had to project this like we said image of uh, confidence and optimism about his uh, health and they got him out of the hospital. But clearly I think there's, um, if you look at what happened to Boris Johnson in Mm -hmm. in the UK, Mm -hmm. he um, posted a video, I think like three days into his diagnosis and he, he didn't look great. Um, He doesn't always look that good, (laughs) Um, but he was looking all right, relatively speaking. But then three days after that, He ended up uh, being in the ICU um, on a ventilator and he said he nearly died. And Boris Johnson almost has the same health indicators as Trump. He's kind of like overweight, not the same age, but younger, but younger. Um, So I do wonder what will happen in the next uh, week or so.
0: Well, in in addition to add a a unique layer, I think a lot of this is because of uh, the general dislike of, of, uh, of Trump and uh, and his administration and how they kind of handle it. So I wondered if you replace Trump with a Barack Obama who is running for reelection, if you, you know, uh, uh, eight years ago, for example, and something like this were to happen, would it be the same type of media speculation and debate and whatnot? Or would it be, we hope he gets well soon, you know, because I know people are saying that about Trump, but there really is like a, a real hope for change in a month's time. Right. From the from uh, in the States, I think there's a huge, like the last I checked, Biden has an eight point lead. You know, and that was a couple of days ago, I heard. So like, I think this is, but now I think there's a real movement to get Trump out. But I wonder if it's that motivation that's really kind of put a pin on what's happening now or or, or whatnot, if you know what I'm trying to say, you know, if the candidate was replaced with more likable candidate, would it be different?
1: Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, um, there's clearly like a significant portion of the American population that um, will support Trump or the Republicans, no matter what happens. Um, yeah, You know, Trump said before, I could shoot someone in um, Times Square and or outside of the Trump Towers and no one would do anything. They'd still come for me. They'd still vote for me. Yeah. And uh, I think that's quite true. And I, ever since, like, Brexit and the 2016 election, I've yeah. really been reluctant to just be super confident about, like, ah, yeah, uh, he's going to lose this time or this is going to happen because yeah. you, you just you just don't know, like... Uh, With these opinion polls, I think um, because he's so polarizing and uh, has this sort of negative image in uh, large parts of the rest of the world, a lot of people may not necessarily give their true uh, feelings about their voting intentions towards him in these polls. So I think there's a huge, there's at least a 5% swing on that one. Sure. so I don't know, like if Obama was uh, in the same situation, uh, he may get, a. he would have had a, probably a bit more of a sympathy bounce for sure. Uh, yeah. Because I would imagine his approach, you know, his approach uh, up from Mar- uh, February uh, or January, whenever this whole thing kicked off, yeah. would have been totally different, right? He would have handled yeah. the pandemic differently and yeah. would have then, therefore garnered a bit more sympathy from yeah. the population. Uh, yeah. If he got it, because he would have possibly been taking more precautions, would have done a bit more to encourage um, a different attitude uh, amongst the population in in the u s about it yeah. so because Trump has been saying and speaking the way he has been about it and kind of been a bit uh, flippant about the, yeah. about the pandemic, um, he hasn 't had that sympathy. Uh, bounce yeah. that, you know you may expect the rally around the fr- flag thing that that the uh, presidents sometimes get uh, yeah in these I times mean, of crisis.
0: What do you think about this uh, idea that whether it's uh, uh, um, whether it's uh, uh, the different scenarios I played out whether uh, it was uh, in a, in the previous situation if it would have been Pence who took over temporarily or if Trump uh, passes after winning the election if he does win Pence taking over or if he dies before the election, Pence taking over. What do you think Pence versus Biden? Do you think that's a better situation than Trump versus Biden or a worse one? Because I have a theory that Pence is one of those guys who's quiet and behind the scenes, but he's just as, if not more dangerous than 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 a Trump as well, because a Pence versus Biden is just as scary for me.
1: Absolutely. Um, I don't know that much about Pence, but he gives me that same feeling exactly. of just this, <laughs> this, this quiet... Um... Dangerous dude. He's very well spoken. He's he, yeah. he survived being vice president under Trump, because Trump, you know, if you've watched The Apprentice, he loves to fire people. And the way he's done things in the office, he just keeps rotating yeah. uh, people in and out of positions, keeping people unstable. It's kind of a yeah. cool way of governing, right? He, he just keeps people on their toes all the time. But yeah. in Pence, he's found like this perfect VP uh, yeah. for him, because he's Really deferential, he hangs back. He doesn't stand out too much. Doesn't get the spotlight. That's perfect. Trump loves that. If you stand yeah. out too much uh, and get get the spotlight, so then yeah. conversely, if Trump was out of the picture and Pence was there, I'm not sure what would happen. I, I don't think he's that charismatic, that dynamic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think he would inspire like the same sort of rabid MAGA supporters that uh, yeah. that Trump does. Like would he get forty thousand people flocking to a pence rally i I don't think so
0: no i mean uh you're so right i think Pence knows how to play the game and he knows how to play trump like he knows that if he just stays quiet he'll stay in his place but at the same time he's got stuff boiling in his brain that we should be afraid of as well you know and like you hit on point a couple a couple minutes ago in that like um, if we were to be biologists or if we were to be like uh like explorers or whatnot our, our profession and in our, in our, in our field of study is very kind of like uh, already established in science. One plus one we know makes two and we know that this is uh, like you know animals do this and we know space is here but politics <laughs> is one of those fields where it's just everything that you learn is really could be thrown out the window at any point and someone could just you know completely drop it on its head and they could still become president or prime minister you know as the world has shown because what's happening in America is very similar to what's happening in many places around the world we only look at the states because of its position and because of, of kind of its global reach but if you were to if we were to go to asia or russia or i should be careful we should blurt out russia <laughs> or wherever we go politics really is manipulable, you know or being a you can't really mend it those in power can really change it to the directions they want so it's really you just pulling your hair out like listening to what's happening and seeing what's happening back in our home country in canada we have a better prime minister now but for the last Ten years we had a very conservative government and they did a lot of silly things that made no sense to anybody you know except for themselves right so like i uh i've also taken a step back and that i don't get overtly attached to every political thing and i try to limit my intake just because i go crazy from all of it because like you and i dave i mean like i could tell you you know dave if you hear a racist condone it <laughs> like that's pretty basic information <laughs> but like you know, in the views of some other people, it's not as easy, you know? And I wonder why, like, I wonder if there's like a, like if it can be explained, you know, if it's actual racism, if it's for personal benefit, even if you were to lie and if you actually did believe in racism, uh, uh, but you could just lie and say like, you know, it's bad too. Right. But why would you not say it? Like, you know, so all these things are just mysteries of the world, you know? Uh, the so, only rules uh, is
1: that there are no rules.
0: Um, just throw the play the playbook out, crazy. right? It's, but yeah. again, like I was saying, uh, um, if we move away from America and we look at some other places stuff like this has been going on for decades you know decades and decades so like it's uh, it's just because I think it's so new in our part of the world and it's so unorthodox that people are sort of like strange and that's the thing about politics that really frustrates me is because when we studied it when we when we looked back on some of the great his uh, political leaders of our time and the revolutions and the change, it really was for the benefit of humanity but Sometimes when I look around the world and it's just really, it's not benefiting anybody except just a handful of few, clearly, you know? And so, uh, I don't know. It's really strange. And that's why I really hope uh, in this upcoming election that it's done fairly. People go out and vote as they have the right to do. Uh, So I really hope people uh, implement their right this this second, is it the Second Amendment or Third Amendment? Second Amendment, I believe, right? Right to vote? Oh, that's a tough one. Listeners? If you can comment, we'll Google it after. I know I know the, uh, oh no, the Second Amendment is, is, is the right to bear arms, I believe. The Fifth Amendment is uh, the right not to incriminate yourself, right? Uh, the first... um,
1: that's true. You you clearly know a lot more about these amendments than I do because um, we were talking about uh, the knowledge of American history and politics, and I, I have to be honest with you, I don't know that much. I, all I know is from what I've read in passing and absorbed just through the sheer size and um, might of the American media and, and cultural machine. Yeah. Um, but I've never formally sat down and read a book on American history. Um, oh, me too. So
0: no, no, no. Yeah, of course.
1: I don't know, like the Pledge of Allegiance or the amendments, or yeah. um, I barely know much about Abraham Lincoln. But yeah, uh, yeah it's, I think Trump has to be one of the most talked about presidents uh, of all time. What, it's do you, incredible. what
0: do you think? Yeah. yeah uh, uh, sorry. Do you think he'll be seen? This is an interesting question. This is completely your opinion. In 50 years, if COVID doesn't destroy us, when uh, when we look back at, at, at Trump, do you think he'll be seen as one of the better presidents or one of the worst presidents overall among all 44, 45 presidents? Because it's interesting. I'll tell you, I looked online uh, recently on a poll of current, like currently of presidents, and he's not the last. You know, he's actually... And he's not the first either, which is strange to me because I thought he would have been near the bottom. Wow. Um,
1: I, but again, so yeah, also
0: have deviation, So let's just point that out, right?
1: Apparently, there were a couple in the 19th century which were just absolutely terrible. They were like yeah. flat-out corrupt. Um, slave owners. like uh, slave, yeah, yeah, slave owners. Yeah. Like really quite not good people. Um, I think Trump, uh, you know, 50 to 100 years down the um will appear uh, just above those people um yeah i'm trying to I be agree. as impartial as possible and just stand back and make it just a, like trying to take my politics out of it but yeah there's just been so much corruption and all the people around him getting charged campaign managers in jail and all that sort of stuff
0: where yeah. um i'm like it, it's just there's no precedent for it it's crazy um, i, I- So like, uh, I I do these like learnings in my brain, like as I live my life, uh, I kind of have learned things and I kind of put them there. Maybe one day I'll pass them on to my children or whatnot. And one of the things I've learned, I think there's like a, 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 I don't know exactly what the phrase is for this, uh, but um, when something happens to you once that you didn't expect, it hurts. And when it happens to you twice, it burns a little bit uh, a little less but when it happens 3 times and you become adjusted to it it really makes no difference anymore and you I've, you I've i've applied this in many aspects of my life i've noticed that if i if i if i do something wrong once i feel really guilty about it if i do it two times it gets less and by the third time i don't even feel guilty you know and so like applying this to can what can you give you examples
1: said, about what what these <laughs>
0: you know so like with trump i mean like when the first really big thing happened like during the election right do you remember in the 2016 election all this stuff came out about all the bad things he'd been doing and it was like shocking and horrific but he still got elected to president you know what i mean and then at this point that stuff seems like you know it's not on we're not on like three things and it's that we're on like 500 things that's out so at this thing i think people have just become so apathetic that it just really doesn't make a difference anymore. What you could do, Trump, like you said, he could probably just walk right in front of his, his building in New York and shoot someone and be like, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> like, I'll still vote for him, you know? It's yeah. strange. It's really just a strange conundrum. It makes no sense.
1: I find it so um, exhausting as um, yeah. s- someone who reads the news too much um, to try and keep tabs on this stuff because he's, he's, he reminds me of um, uh, Silvio Berlusconi
0: yeah. He reminds me
1: of um, Rob Ford, uh, yeah. the former mayor of Toronto. Yeah. Um, these are people who, for the longest time, it seemed like they were Teflon dons. Uh, yeah. I guess is a good name for Donald Trump, where yes. just nothing seemed to stick to them. <laughs> they were doing quite um, unusual things. You know, Berlusconi had these bunga bunga parties and allegations of corruption, and uh Rob Ford was into drug use and hanging out with uh slightly underworld characters, yeah. but it for the longest time uh people didn't seem to mind, and yeah. it was about their ability to seem relatable to the people yeah but they like these are characters like these three people are so good at making everyday voters and citizens think that they're just like them. But yeah. in reality, like Berlusconi and Trump were billionaires. Uh, Trump yeah. maybe not. And <laughs> uh, Rob Ford came from a, like a multi-million dollar uh, family business. So family these were, like, I don't know what it is. Uh, how is it that other people can't see what we see? Yeah. And how do I try and change my perspective to s- try and understand the other side? It's it's really challenging for me.
0: It's it's so strange. It's uh, politics is no longer what it was supposed to be. It's strategy. It's, uh, it's uh, electorates. It's finding, it's matching your demographic to who you are. You know, Rob Ford has had the people he was voting for, plus the backing of some really big people in Ontario as well, uh, as did Berlusconi in Italy and, and Trump in America. I, uh, I'm sure if you ask a Trump supporter what Trump exactly has done for you in the last four years, the list would be very minimal. <laughs> I'm sure he didn't decrease your taxes. I'm sure he didn't give you more job opportunities. I'm sure all he did was kind of speak to you on behalf of you without actually uh, fulfilling any action. but but then again, like you know most of these people are not looking, I think I think they're just trying to have relate to their leader, you know what I mean, Have someone who kind of looks like them and speaks like them. But even then, Trump is not really of them. you know, he came from a, a New York upper class real estate family. These people are more Southern based or more kind of working class. And so it's strange. It's all a conundrum. It'll make your brain explode if you sit there and talk about it for too long. But I like to play this game with myself where uh, when any leader does something completely absurd, I like to think, or like when it comes to kind of basic mannerisms and, uh, and, uh, and speech, if you, Take what they did, and you did it as a child in a high school or in a kindergarten. What the reaction would be, and what the punishment would be. So, for example, when when uh, when uh, Trump uh, a couple of years back, when they had like the protests uh, about um, some of the, uh, you know, they're taking on the. Uh, the statues in the states yeah, of all these yeah. leaders and stuff like that, and Trump didn't condone the right, you know, the the the, the Nazis, pretty <laughs> much the neo Nazis. he said Trump on both sides. Yeah. Both sides. And I wonder if like if you took that kind of speech and you and you taught it to your child, and then he did something racist in school, and like the principal brought him to the office and was like, "Okay, justify yourself," and he's like, "Yeah, I know I did what's bad, but you know, like blah 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 blah," or so so and so and so. He would get punished and expelled or expelled or suspended or be brought home. Like the same level of the same scenarios, but at different levels would have different pretty much outcomes that you would expect. But when it happens at the highest court in the world or the highest level in the world, really, it's just like nothing, you know, because Trump really doesn't report to anybody. You know what I mean? No one is putting him in balance. He's supposed to report to the citizens of his state, right? Uh, uh, But really... He just does and says things, and it just gets away with it that nobody in any other context would. You know, if you were to be racist in the office, or if you were to uh, uh, to uh, just be a complete idiot on not on an issue, not be prepared for a presentation or whatnot, you would be punished for that. But Trump continues to progress, and it just really this game I play with myself it makes no sense, right? And we don't we don't raise our children that way. We don't we teach our children to be diplomatic. We, we, you know we uh, we teach them to have the manners and to be polite, and really he has just shown the complete opposite of whatsoever what what's happened right
1: yeah, it's very troubling um and you like when you're raising children I mean we don't have children, but like when you imagine raising a child and they're looking up to a president, they're someone that you know should be above everything yeah. and a role model, and um you know a parent will tell their child when you grow up, uh, if you want to be president someday, you should behave such and such a way. Then they see this behavior and it's it's not even close to being that. Um, I wonder, yeah. I think what's really good about, you know, the Westminster parliamentary system is it gives like some accountability for the very top leader because, you know, Boris Johnson, Justin Trudeau, uh, all these people in, in their parliaments, they have to stand in front of opposition figures and answer questions on a near yeah. daily basis. Uh, not just from the media, but I think it's really good in, in these systems that, um, you know, if they're really just talking nonsense all the time, that there's a chance to really hear the other side and for them to have their chance to rebut it. Because in the US, if you have a case like Trump, um, he'll just start shouting at the media and saying you're fake news, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Uh, Whereas, you know, obviously you can have a back and forth and it gets pretty ugly in parliament, but there's still that opportunity, this other forum uh, for them to be held accountable. And I think, uh, you know, the US system has its faults, but it's still um, relatively stable. And you you hope that um, it would continue that way um, going forward. But I just think that what what you see in Canada and the UK adds a little extra layer of accountability.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, uh, it's an interesting system. I'll, I'll end with asking you a final question. And again, this is completely opinion-based. And you can say, I don't know, or I don't want to answer. Do you think a, president, a Joe Biden presidency, if mm-hmm. that were to happen in, in any scenario, do you think that would be positive in the sense that it would be able to reverse the damage of the last four years? Do you think that will completely change a new leaf or do you think it's it's good, but it's not as good as we need it to be? Um, yeah, I think,
1: uh, you know, he's 79 years old. He's kind of centrist, very neither here nor there, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of where he stands on policy. He's just like a yeah. standard bearer for the Democratic Party. Um, but I think he'll be like a good candidate or presidential uh, figure to kind of Gradually move away from like Trump years and just moderate things a little bit. Yeah. Um, what I what is not good is if it becomes something that like veers from left to right uh, in Completely. a very erratic way. Because what I what I don't like again with the, these this system is the U.S. Uh, system has become so um, polarized that yeah you know Trump came in and basically his entire mission. Is just to, you know, eradicate the Obama legacy. Like he didn't seem yeah. to have his own mindset, except for just do the opposite of what Obama would do, or just erase yeah. his legacy. And yeah. you would just hope that someone would, if they were the next Republican after whoever yeah. the Democrat is, is a bit more gradualist in what they do. I mean, I'm totally okay with there being a right wing person, but don't yeah, come and don't yeah. burn the house down and then start over again. Um, so yeah, I think, I think Biden should come in there and, you know, don't want to alienate the, the Trump people. That's that's yeah. not great, but, yeah. um, just try and be a normal person. <laughs> just just yeah. try and
0: behave normally. I think you ended it on the right fact is that, uh, I have no problem with people with di- conflicting political views with me. I think that's fine. I mean, that's normal. I mean, I don't agree with you, but we can be. We can be two people who respect one another. I think at this point, we just need a normal person, as you've said, someone who has, uh, is qualified, who is dignified, and who is respectful, and uh, um, um, someone who just understands the role of the presidency as opposed to the role of the individual, you know? And so whether it's Joe Biden or whatever it happens, American politics has become so divisive that I do, I think it's strayed so far from what it was intended to be that now it's just a party politic thing. It's, if you're a Republican, Dave, and I'm a, a Democrat, we can't be friends. We have to be at odds. But I, I'm sure we have similar views on, on a majority of things. But let's see. It's four, it's four weeks away. We'll keep an eye on it. We'll talk about it. And we probably will do an election, post-election show, you know, and see our views on it. But for uh, oh, so um, sure. I, uh, I just thought this was an interesting issue because it's never happened. And we'll see what ends up becoming the outcome of this.
1: Absolutely. Um, thank you for that, Tosh. It was very interesting to hear about uh, peculiarities of the American system.
0: There you go. All right, so we've covered, uh, we've, we've been traveling around the world, we've been back to North America, and then maybe next week we'll, uh, we'll set sail again. We'll travel, we'll travel somewhere else, somewhere we haven't been. Armchair travels. There you go. All right, Dave, have a good night. You too. Take care, Tosh. Bye-bye.